Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn, and today more than ever before, companies, brands, and their partners need to stand for something beyond the bottom line. I've created this program to provide insights and ideas to share with you so that you can apply them to your work the very next day. The goal here is to up-level your purpose and to benefit companies and society. So please join us. Today's segment with Bill Coletti, CEO of Kith. They're a crisis communications firm. They also help companies uh, with reputation. But we're going to talk about the corona crisis today and what can communicators as well as companies do to be authentic, to be empathetic, um, to show their values in action during these uncharted waters key to the conversation will be some insights that Bill has used prior to the corona pandemic, um, as well as during. And he talks a lot about the ABCs, always be communicating. And during these times, he's talking about the CEO being front and center, video communications, being as transparent as possible. And we're going to learn more of his tips in this segment. We'll also learn, as Bill is trying to work with clients as well as the entire communications industry, to start considering a framework, how to come back. When do you reopen? And there's no easy answers because he talks about there's no one leader. There's no, whether it's the World Health Organization, the CDC, there's no one lifeguard, you know, touting that whistle. (laughs) the whistle and saying, it's okay to get back on the water. The sharks have gone away. Uh, So companies need to create a framework. And he talks about three points, the financial point, the the social point, and the moral point. So join us. Welcome to the show, Bill Coletti. He's the CEO of Kith. Carol, thanks so much. It's my pleasure to be here, and I look forward to a great conversation. I met Bill when we were both presenting to the um, internal communications team. It was a group large. It was about, oh, I don't know, 80, 100 people at American Express. And we just, I was so impressed with the way that he so calmly and thoughtfully addressed crisis work. And then I saw that, you know, his passion was not just crisis work because it's hard. It keeps you adrenalized, you know, when you're, you know, working 24-7, but he really wants to help companies get ahead of their crises. And what better time to talk with Bill is during our coronavirus pandemic. And the other day, Bill held a wonderful webinar um, for uh, friends, family, businesses, et cetera, to really talk about not only how to act today, but when to even think about and how to think about reopening. 
So we're going to get to that because most people today are really focused on what can I learn, um, how to communicate, how to manage through this thing we've never had, and then we can get to some other things at the end. So let's just start, Bill, a little bit about Kith and why is it called Kith and when did you found it? So we started the firm about six years ago now. So we are in our sixth year. Um, I had been at a big, large global uh, PR firm, which I think you can relate to, um, and decided there was a better way uh, to go about doing it. So we started um, our firm, Kith, six years ago. Um, and, and Kith, uh, the, the word comes from this, told, this term of, I'm going home to visit my Kith and my kin. Kin, everyone typically understands being their, their family. But your kith in, in human relationships are those that taught you original, sophisticated habits. So these are your friends in high school, your friends in college. The, your, your family puts significant imprints on you, but your kith puts a different type of imprint to making you the person that you are. So as we work with companies to make them who they want to be or need to be post-crisis and, and in advance of a crisis... We really view them as our kith. It's also a real filter to only work with really high purpose, high value companies that, that high values companies that uh, really understand um, that concept of kith and kin. And, and I'm really glad that you talked about values because um, Bill is a member of the Purpose Collaborative. And people might say, well, why do you have a crisis firm in your Purpose Collaborative? And when we met, it was very much about bringing the values of a company, truly making a company in a crisis, regard them deeply and manage to them so that the reputations they have earned over years have not been squandered during some really tough and challenging times. So talking about tough and challenging times, we're all in this together. So I'm going to put you right on the spot, Bill. What are your one or two most important recommendations to a client during COVID-19 about communications? Because we're all in a crisis. Yeah, absolutely. So it is, it's simple. It's two things. One is ABC, always be communicating. And then the second is to manage your stakeholders' expectations. And so I'll go a little bit deeper on each one. ABC, not only is it, is it cute, always be communicating, but it really is the, it's the, it undergirds what I believe is the philosophy around good crisis response is that you have an obligation as a company, whether you're big or small or, or whatever size you are, you have got a responsibility to those that matter most to you. That'd be your employees, your customers, your vendors, your partners and allies. You have to let them know where you are. There's a strategic benefit to this because as we, we may be confronting layoffs or we may be confronting changing our business model, we don't want to surprise people on Friday morning with that news. We want to get people through that journey of a conversation. So ABC, always be communicating. Managing, your, managing the expectations of those that matter most or stakeholders is about listening. So I'm advising always be communicating, but also always be listening. Because when we talk to our employees, talk to our, our customers, we will learn a lot that will allow us to communicate that much better. And so it's a nice loop of, of, of communicating and listening. And those are the two, if we have to boil it down to two, there's a lot of nuances, but managing and understanding your expectations of your stakeholders, but ABC, always be communicating, telling people where you are. 
Sure. And in terms of, let's just start from the inside of an organization, their employees. Employees today are not just scared, we're, we're terrified of all different types, whether you're full-time, whether you're a consultant and such. So what um, are you seeing with companies doing well in this tough times regarding their employees? Let's just start there. Yeah. It's the companies that are, that, that well, first of all, it, it goes back to deeper into the history of the company. It's the companies that have articulated values no articulated values, and then always communicate those articulated values in this crisis. Those are the companies that are truly best in class. There are some that are, you know, are figuring out their values in real time and communicating them. And then there are those that are just simply not communicating. And that's the worst in class category. But those that are getting it right, stand for something bigger than themselves. They stand for something bigger than shareholder return or, or quarterly results or, or paying big bonuses. They stand for something in the marketplace and they are reasserting those values as they communicate. I think Marriott, um, they just announced um, last Sunday a number of layoffs that they needed to do. So it was a pretty difficult time. But their CEO did an amazing message the Thursday before the Sunday that's a company that seems to be doing it really well. There are a lot of other companies that are using video and are using their websites to tell great stories. But it's the companies that live their values that are surviving the best through this scenario. And so what are some of the stories that are standing out, especially on video? So, you know, I, th I think specifically, like I, like I mentioned, I think Marriott, I think what Arnie Sorensen did, the CEO of Marriott, was, was really, really good. Um, we represent a, a college in Central Florida, Valencia College. It's the largest community college in the state of Florida. Um, their CEO, or excuse me, president, he's a president. Their president has been on video two or three times, one with a, a faculty leader, one with an administrative leader. Um, and they actually have a new one with sort of a staff leader, non-student non facing leader, doing quasi town halls. They're taped and they're just with one person. So it's more of a dialogue answering questions, reasserting three critical points that they want to make um, about asking for grace, appreciating flexibility, and this sense of understanding and that it's going to get better as we move forward. So that's, that's, those are two examples that are there. I think I've seen the credit card companies um, and the financial services companies. There's a company called Mr. Cooper. Uh, Mr. Cooper is a, a mortgage aggregator, I believe you would call them. Um, they have done a really, really nice job of sort of sharing some insight. They haven't used video, but they've been sharing some insight and perspective and offering lots of resources and help. I think helpfulness often gets lost in this scenario. Of, of, of we just need to help people mm -hmm. as much as we can. Mm. Okay. So you recently outlined in your, I believe it was your webinar, um, six key areas for consideration for communicators, um, especially you talked about we're in the, we're not in the beginning. We're in the middle of something here. Who knows how long it's going to last? And you are giving considerations not only A, B, C, but you also talked about looking, you know, peering over the horizon and will there be an reopening we trust? And then things to think about for reopening. So can you talk about what's most important now besides ABC and listening? And then let's talk about optimistically going forward and thinking about reopening. 
So I'll, t- I'll talk about reopening uh, first and that concept there. So we subscribe and all of our clients that we work with and, and really the anybody that's listening, we do not believe that there is going to be a global lifeguard that's going to tell us it's to get it's safe to get back in the water. Mm-hmm. We think that we have already seen a great deal of political confusion um, and and science uh, um, confusion around this or that, and we've had over optimism and under under optimism. Uh, so, I, so we don't believe that there's there's going to be that clarion call that it's safe to get back in the water and for companies to operate. So, no whistle's going to be blown. I really don't believe so, and I think that's going to really, really make it incumbent on companies to figure out how are they going to decide to come back. And the way we're trying to advise clients is that there are three considerations that companies need to make. First and foremost is the financial consideration. There are huge financial implications of this shutdown. Uh, and, and Huge isn't even a big enough word. Massive, devastating implications. So that's one consideration. Uh, so let's view that as a circle. The second circle is the social considerations. Our teams want to get back to work. Our people want to get back to doing what they're doing. They want to get back to be with their colleagues. They want to be in a sense of community. We as human animals want to be in community. So there is a social consideration that needs to be made. But then there's also a moral consideration that companies need to think about. Mm. And that moral consideration, is it absolutely safe? And that's the challenging part is absolutely. Is it absolutely safe for our employees and our customers or our students and our faculty, whatever whatever your, your equation is, is it safe for them to come back? And is this the right moral decision? I understand the social, mm. I understand the financial, but there's a moral consideration about coming back in the absence of any government authority mm-hmm. whistling the pool reopened. Mm. So that's that's what we are advising is that we have to consider all three of those. Financial is obviously the easiest and most easiest to quantify. Yet companies, it's tougher for the smaller businesses that don't have these big cash reserves. And so does the three-point consideration change for them? It changes a little bit, but I, I still believe small companies have financial, social, and moral obligations to the, to those that they represent. And so if I'm a small restaurant and I employ maybe 10 people or even smaller, I have an obligation as an employer to their health and safety. And I also have an obligation to, to uh, my uh, my customers. So the things that we're talking about in that moral consideration is that while I should have 20 tables open at my small business, but I'm really going to only open 10. And I understand the financial implications of that. I understand the social that might, that's probably not going to bring back all of my employees, but that's a safety consideration. So rethinking your format and your footprint Mm. are things that companies need to do right now. And that's, even if you're American Express, a company that we mentioned, or a large bank, they need to rethink the the lobby area, what the the services that they're providing at their windows, things things like that. So I think it is it is applicable to all. I think those considerations are applicable to all. I think the acute nature of low flying small business that's closer to the earth than some big business mm. makes financial pressure real. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it. I don't think it absolves you of the social and finan- and moral obligations as well. Interesting. And and I'm curious. Do you represent any small businesses or just large ones? You know, we've got a, a trade association that's on the smallish side, um, uh, but we typically don't do a lot with small business. One of the things we try to do, and and uh, just as a minor in this 
in this corona season is to just really be helpful to other agencies and other companies that we've all become crisis communicators if even if you're just the the you know social media firm for you know doing positive press for a typical company we're trying to help our colleagues in the communications business by sharing all of the IP that we have, trying to be as helpful as we can be to our colleagues and peers in the communication space. So no, we, we specifically don't have many small business clients. And we will, in our show notes, uh, we will put a link to the webinar that you held as well as the slides. And as well, you've got a whole bunch of resources and, and we'll list those. So thank you. And Karen, we're, just, we're trying to do those weekly. We're going to try oh, to do them every, every Monday for as long as we can and as long as it's, as long as it's valuable. So, okay, so how do so, our listeners find out about them? So it's going to be on our website, just kith.co uh, is our website. And then we'll also promote it on LinkedIn, both the Kith um, site on LinkedIn, but also Bill Coletti. You can find it always there on LinkedIn. Great. Well, well, thank you for, for being so generous in terms of doing that. Um, in terms of, you, now you have created this, part of your IP is a uh, an impact versus likelihood risk matrix. And I know you talked about that in terms of uh, your webinar, but can you Talk to our listeners, again, what are their considerations regarding, you talked about the financial, social, and moral, but then also what about this risk matrix? In a normal state, um, we think that risk planning, thinking about risk, particularly think about reputational and public risk, is the next frontier for corporate communications and, and people that are thinking about beyond just the whack-a-mole of, of standard media relations. But, but so thinking about risk is, is what's next. The model is relatively simple. And Carol, I'm, I'm happy to share some of the handouts that, that, that we discussed on the webinar uh, as related to this. But it's basically a simple, relatively simple model that comes from financial services. It's the risk matrix that they use. And it's a simple two-by-two that on the x-axis looks at likelihood of different risks. And then on the y-axis looks at the impact of, of different risks. And working with your operations team on and thinking about the things that they know that could happen, and as well as the things that the communications, the internal and the external, they know that can happen. You map likelihood and impact on this two by two, so high and low. So you have high, high, low, high, high, low, and low, low. So you map them. And then the last thing you do, the last step is you circle the ones that you can do something about. So if you are a big box retailer in South Florida, there is the likelihood, pretty high, of every late summer fall of there being a hurricane. The impact of that is also relatively well known and understood. But the ability to do something about it is nil. There's nothing you can do about it. You can prepare and plan better but you can't do anything about it. So that's just a, it really forces your thinking of what can I manage? What truly are our high impact and high likelihood scenarios? We find too many companies are spending in a, in a normal state. This is out of a Corona environment on an active shooter. You know, they're, they're concerned about somebody with a gun and, and, and you and I both have an affinity for Florida and what we saw at Parkland was a horrific tragedy with the appropriate magnetrometers and police officers on duty that conceivably could be could stop but for for but for a school district and a company that's afraid of that there's not a lot that they can do to manage after the fact of that situation law enforcement typically takes over in that scenario 
So while the likelihood may be, may be low in that scenario, the impact is high. There's not a lot you can do about it. So it's, so it's, it really forces strategic and critical thinking to not waste time on risks that are truly not reputational impacting. There you go. Okay. Well, thank you. So let's go back to, to the, to the Corona pandemic. And, um, you've been seeing a lot of companies, um, getting engaged, uh, changing, uh, manufacturing, uh, CEOs, you know, going to zero salaries and such. They're dealing with immediate health needs and economic needs for their employees. Can you drill down and say, you know, if, if a company is still thinking, how can I get involved? What's your advice in terms of what are the most pressing social challenges? What are the things they can do tomorrow? Uh, if their employees are virtual, fine. What can they do with money? Uh, perhaps some virtual volunteering or some of their core cap uh, competencies if they're a manufacturer. Yeah. So I have two that immediately come to mind and, and the clients that we're working with are trying to solve with all those constraints you just mentioned or trying mm. to solve these issues. One is that logistical control, whether crowd control or traffic control, but logistical control at hospitals is an acute need right now. So that is simply traffic cops waving signs, stop and go for these drive-in testing facilities, as well as just the sheer volume of cars and mm. logistics going on at, at hospitals. If you, we've got a, a company that is a large hospitality venue, multiple hospitality mm. venues, and they have their own security force. There you those go. venues are all shut down. Yep. They're not operating. And so they have tried to offer those resources simply right. to be a sign waiver. It's not a sophisticated job, but simply to be a sign waiver and help manage traffic um, at, at some urban hospitals that are a challenge. The second area that we see real acute need from the clients and just observation is childcare for first responders, nurses and doctors, health healthcare workers and first responders. They have to go to work to respond mm. to this crisis. And, and the, one of the great limitations they have is the ability to who to take care, take care of their children because they typically build their schedule around the school day and now there's no school. So it creates a real bind, um, on, on the ability for them to perform their job. Um, a lot of people are thinking about it. Some people are trying to create sort of creative video daycare scenarios where you just have one person with the kids, but you use different video for teaching. And so it's, there's lots of creative ideas that, 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 that that's not our lane. That's not where we spend time. Mm -hmm. But I really believe that in crisis, you need to find purpose. And, and so those are just two examples that pop into my head. There's, there's, there's a lot, lot more. You mentioned manufacturing, but there are more ideas that are out there as well. Yeah, I thought that um, Joanne Fabrics, they came up with, you know, uh, kits that you can order online to make masks, uh, which which I just thought was it. it's in their wheelhouse. It's something they can do. They can connect with their customers. I just thought that that was uh, a pointed, needed and and a really smart response. Any company should have a team in this space that, that is that is really just this innovation think tank. And we've all sort of aspired, we all wanted to have an innovation think tank, but now there's a critical need. So what are we awesome at? What are we the, the, the best that we do? Joanne, we are best at teaching people how to, how to be crafty and providing them the tools to do it. So how can we solve this problem? And I, I don't, any, every company should be able to, to innovate and find an area that they're really, really good at 
you and I are probably not good at manufacturing ventilators. So we should probably not turn our companies to that. But there are lots of things that we can do. And so everybody should be innovating right now, not just hunkering down. Yeah. And we're, we're calling this smart generosity. And um, Joanne Fabrics, that, that's an example of that. Um, the company that is shut down and provides security forces, you know, to be sign waivers or to manage traffic. Um, I, I, those are re- really, really smart ones. I mean, I, I'm thrilled to see that you've got, whether it's a credit card companies or financial services, and they are looking at forgiving all sorts of penalties and late pays. And will they even, you know, give a, a buy to paying a mortgage for a month? Um, I've also seen that there's um, there's a movement now to give renters relief. Um, there's uh, certainly in the CARES Act, I think that there there's also an opportunity for independent contractors. And so the all in this together, um, per, per, you know, it's horrible to go through, but perhaps we will be better, more empathetic, more creative, more intuitive um, coming out the backside of this. Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely hope so. And, and one of you, you've been hosting so wonderfully your purpose collaborative conference calls and and having teams just simply to share ideas with a very open and flexible agenda. And early, early days of this, someone raised up the the, the high-end perfume maker that was transitioning their fat, their, their lines to make hand sanitizer. We've seen Budweiser do that. Those were early, early days um, of this scenario, but it's, but it, everybody, you're not, you're in business for a reason because you have a core competency and people, people are willing to pay you for that core competency with a little bit of mental stretching. Can you figure out how that, how you can innovate your core competency into something that's high value? What can communicators do right now besides ABC and listening and being transparent and putting their CEOs on video? Are there other suggestions that you can give to communicators at companies large and small? Absolutely. But but something on my heart right now that I want to share is, is, is and related to that is that, and, and we're doing it as a firm, there are two not-for-profits that are that are that we're fond of here in our community, um, and and they don't have the communications thinking or can't afford the communications th- thinking of most agencies. So we're actually writing messaging for them. We're writing talking points. We're writing and giving them the ideas. We can't go do the work. Right. Give the CEO some talking points. So specifically, what can communicators be doing now? That's a way. That, that communicators can be helping. And we're trying to do it with these two not-for-profits here, just that are nearby that I personally happen to be, that I care about and I'm involved with. So we're sort of taking over that communicator's role. That, um, that's, a, that's a really great point. The other thing is that in recovery, I mean, currently now, just in terms of food delivery um, for, you know, uh, elderly and others that, that are at risk, um, we're hearing some really interesting innovations happening. So that's really good. But down the road, these smaller local not-for-profits will, first of all, they will desperately need funds and they need unrestricted um, allow them, you know, with a grant. And we're seeing some organizations, I heard that the, the Medtronic Foundation, I think they got all their grants out in early February for the whole year. 
which was a tr- was really hard to do. But they but they saw because in the healthcare field that Corona was coming and they wanted to help their not for profits, but not for profits large and small especially. Um, it's a great point, Bill, about the companies should reach out to them now, see how they can help, whether it's communications or virtual volunteering. Down the road, it will be face to face volunteering again, maybe with face masks or six feet distancing. But they really are ways to provide services to the community. And the community, we must rebuild our communities after this. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Carol, one of the things that I, I, you mentioned it earlier and I, and I didn't get uh, to mention it, but we're talking about our relationship in my first introduction to you, is that it's, it's my experience that people in crisis, and this is certainly one that we're in right now, quickly get religion when it comes to purpose at the in the crisis and at the conclusion of the crisis they're like wow we were really blindsided by this crisis and we were blindsided by the public scorn that hit our company when we had this problem and they then come to purpose and thinking about what can we do to make life better this is a situation where we all find ourselves generally in in a very similar crisis and if that's the moment that you get religion around being being a part of something larger than just your company, that's a, a good byproduct of this. That's an, that's an excellent outcome for people to understand the responsibilities that companies have bigger than that. And my thinking on that, originally just crisis communicator, get people out of the newspaper and let's move on. You've sort of encouraged the thinking into, but there's a whole nother chapter. There's a whole second book um, about what companies can do in in a resiliency phase in a post crisis mm-hmm, totally. phase yeah. that's really very very it's been galvanizing and valuable to me and I just it just again was on my mind I want to say thank you because you've sort of helped shape my thinking of that we're not just you know war fighters we can also be uh, growth healers at the same time. Well, I think towards the growth healer, um, I heard a, a major research firm say when they were asked about, you know, what are the new trends going forward? And their and their comment was that those trends that had velocity prior to, co- to COVID-19 will be supercharged post. And I, and I just hope since, you know, I've been working in the purpose field for so many decades that companies, to your point, will see that, albeit the pain, the suffering and such, but just getting out of their day to day, got to make the money and making that appropriate connection to their competencies, their manufacturing, their innovation, their employees, their hands, their heads and their hearts that they will continue this in some way going forward. And in the early months and probably next year or so, I don't think it's going to be a lot of large money funded programs, except for the big organizations. But I do think that there's a lot of pro bono, to your point, um, that can be done. And hopefully you're going to see these amazing partnerships formed for life going forward. So that so that's a wish, you know, as 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 the saying goes, never never just waste a crisis. Oh my god, it, this is not just a crisis. Um but I think that that's one of the things we're hoping for um post corona. 
Yeah. And I think there's a real possibility because we're seeing it. We're seeing it in action. And I think we've seen it historically. If you just look back over crises that have impacted the United States back, you know, go back as far as you want to go, you know, you know, back to let's just start the civil rights movement in the 50s. Every generation has had this major, whether it be a war or a health issue, whatever these sort of rolling issues, challenges that we've had to have had to address more people getting involved, more resources being deployed, more creativity being deployed. I'm really optimistic and encouraged about the number of people that 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 their first response is what's in it for me, but their response is what's what can we do together? What's in it so for I'm, us? I'm excited. Yeah. What's yeah. in it for us? Thank you. Yeah. We we I'm think there's going to be that. a new definition of responsibility and it's it's about it's called shared responsibility. And it's um, not just that, writing a check to the no. United Way. No offense to the United Way, but it's more than just writing a check. But it but I think it includes our, you know, our our social distancing, our helping our neighbors. Um I think that there's going to be a whole new reverence for um the elderly and their role in society, because, you know, this is acutely affecting people that we really love that hold so much wisdom in our lives. And so I think that they're coming out from the shadows. I hear that Meals on Wheels, uh, there's they're getting a tremendous amount. Uh, you know, they provide meals to shut-ins and seniors. They're getting a huge amount of funding which is fantastic because they provide such an important service. Um, going back to reopening, um, during your webinar, you had a really interesting uh, construct for Major League Baseball. And I thought that by sharing that, you might, um, again, provide some core insights to our listeners. So uh, I, I believe it was over the weekend, last weekend, so last week of March, Major League Baseball and the Major League Players, the union, um, came together and articulated a very basic framework of what it would look like for uh, baseball to resume to normal later this summer. And, and, and the framework they articulated was three points, not radical ideas, but it was basically if it's safe for our fans to come to the stadium, if it's safe for us and there are no travel, if there, there are no local jurisdictional barriers to people coming to the games, if our teams can travel, and in in consultation with health experts that our players are safe. So it's it's about fans, it's about travel, and it's about the players themselves. And they articulated this framework as the, as the, as the sort of the minimums that they're going to consider in order to come back. I think as companies are considering to come back, if you're a school or a retail um, or even a business, an office worker business, is that I think having some semblance of framework like that that's applicable to your company will help you in the absence of no global lifeguard, um, you know, blowing the whistle saying it's safe to get back in the water. And so what, what MLB has done is articulated a very simple one, two, three framework of these are the things that we're going to be looking at. Now, that's not a contract. That's not an obligation. That's, that's, that's a framework. That's what it is. And, and as we get smarter, they may add a fourth or they may take away one of those three. But I think companies need to be thinking about not dependent upon the government or, or, or others to say, okay, it's safe to open. What's right for us? That's where the financial, social, and moral comes in. What's right for us to get back to business? And, and, and one of the things that's most important to me as I share these webinars and do the stuff that we're doing is that we think that communicators, this is such a brilliant, wonderful moment for communicators to shine, to be strategic advisors 
to, to, those, to the CEOs and the companies that they serve. Not just responders, you know, do the press release, do the event, but how can we be strategic? Same as the general counsel, same as the CFO, you know, same as the management consulting. How can we take what we do so well, storytelling, innovation, and purpose, how can we do that in a way that is the same strategic advice as those other disciplines? That's that's great. And, and I am a member of Arthur Page, and that is the the global organization of chief communications officers um, at public and private institutions and such, as well as um, at universities. And so I think that it is, you know, the seat at the table um, now that purpose is key and and, you know, just reputation is key. Um, and social issues are key. Employees are key. Um, it is a time, I agree, for the, for them to shine. Um, and if anybody out there um, is a chief communications officer and wants to join, uh, email me, uh, uh, Carol at uh, carolconeonpurpose.com, uh, and I will tell you all about the wonderful, wonderful um, capabilities of Arthur Page. It's, it's just a great, wonderful organization. What about there's some really tough industries out there? You've got the events and conferences industry where, you know, it's face to face. And then to get to the events and conference industry, you've got the travel and you got the hotels. What's your, you know, future vision for how they're going to get back um, into the game? They're going to get back in a very choppy kind of way. And so I think, and it goes back to purpose, and I don't, I don't want to be cliche about it. So I can see Southwest Airlines, which has built such a really, really strong brand of this, that, that is freedom. Is, you, know, you can absolutely. fly in the place you want. Absolutely. I think they're going to move into this place really nicely. I think you're going to see the big carriers kind of slashing prices, over-promoting, and it's going to create a challenge for them because the systems, whether that be the the the, the you know, baggage systems or the whatever systems, taxi cab systems that support travel aren't going to be in place. And so I think I think it's mm. going to be very, very choppy. I I predict that we're going to see fewer, we're going to, I believe that there will be some bankruptcies and that we are going to lose some of the major brands in hospitality that we're that we're familiar with. There aren't I many left. There <laughs> They're all consolidated. Left. And I think we're going to see the same thing in aviation. Um, the cruise line, I don't quite have my head around the cruise line yet. I think there is a such a loyal, loyal core base constituency um, of cruisers that I think their rebound, um, while may not be as as robust, I do think they will rebound. Um, and, and I'm not a, a, a cruiser per se, uh, but I do think they've got such a core fan base and they do such a good job offline of communicating to that fan base. So I think they're going to be okay. Um, but events, you know, festival season, music festivals over the summer, I think they're gone. We just saw the announcement of the Democratic National Convention. They moved back. I think they're going to wind up moving back again. Uh, I think what it, what we, what, we need to do is companies need to be forward thinking and they need to think out really, really long. Is there a different way that we can do this? Is there a better way? Is there an innovation to our business model? Um, is there something that we're really good at that we can transform and grow? And there's this amazing McKinsey article about horizon thinking, horizon one, two, and three. And so 
It's really sort of being innovative. Um, I think the hospitality industry is going to have a really long ho- road to hoe. I think the, the federal government response, I think there are going to be some prop ups and some support um, to get them back because travel and tourism is such a big part of our industry. So let's not lose sight. Companies aren't going to have to do it by themselves. I think there is going to be both federal and state support. Uh, like the state of Florida, I can see really, really leaning in. Um, like that. So, so I don't think they have to do it alone, but I think my, my recommendation is got to get back to basics. You got to, you got to bring those lo- most loyal customers that you have. You got to bring the folks back that, 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 that you built the company on and don't over, um, you know, you don't need to overdo it and re and recoup everything in one quarter. Now, not that anybody would do that, but I think it is a slow and steady is going to win this race. You know, one of the things I was thinking about as an outcome of this, which is quite tangential, but needed that you're seeing a number of companies saying they're not going to give financial guidance on the next quarter or two. And I'm just wondering, you know, Unilever's, you know, a way back said, we're not giving financial guidance. If you don't like our stock, you know, quarterly, then don't buy it. You think that this might have um, that impact? I, I think it might. I mean, I, I've heard that same thing too. You know, I think that's a little ecosystem in its own right. There are people that take that those that financial guidance and monetize it and, and turn it into their own product. So there's a, a supply chain in its own right that's going to be pretty disrupted by that absence of information. So um, yes, I think they need to because the reality is they don't know what to predict because we don't know what the outside or the, what what coming back actually looks like. I don't believe it's going to be a long-term transformation uh, because I think there's such that that information supply chain, it's no different than a grocery supply chain. That supply chain is 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 really built on that kind of information. So I doubt it will change um, those projections long-term. Short-term, yes, but not long-term. Ah, we, we, we shall see. It's hard to uh, yeah. manage to the quarter. That's for sure. When you're trying it today, is. manage day to day. This has been a fabulous conversation. And I know that our listeners, we're, we're going to put a lot of great information from you in the show notes. Um, in closing, you know, what are the, you know, one, two or three um, key insights that you'd like to share uh, during these really tough COVID days? Yeah. So first of all, to communicators, personally, I'm pulling for you. I, just that the chair that you are in at a company or at an agency supporting companies, um, I'm, I'm pulling for you. This is hard for agency owners. It's hard for communicators to be creative and you're managing your own home life and everything's on Zoom and you got kids and dogs and in-laws or whatever you got and partners. So, for, so first and foremost, what's really on me is, is I'm pulling for all of us communicators always be communicating. Uh, that creates an, an additional tension. I think that's what we all have to do. And let this be a moment in time to find mission and value. What do we really matter? Because we're getting into the days of scarcity. And what I think scarcity creates is really galvanizing and really clear thinking about what really matters and use this as an opportunity to articulate. When, when your leadership is making a decision, really use um, this to help galvanize the things that they're talking about, which almost by definition becomes mission and values. You might have to stretch it a little bit, but use this opportunity. So three things I'm, I'm really pulling for people. This is such a hard for communicators in particular, always be communicating and use this as a way to find your values, refine your values. Super. So thank you, Bill Coletti. This has been a wonderful conversation. I know we're all struggling during these times, but these it's great wisdom. 
And um, what you said about focusing and really gaining clarity on mission and values, I will end this with what I always ask our listeners, what is your purpose? 